0: Hey everyone, this is Tom Singer. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to inform you about a special offer that I have to join a brand new group called My Sales Call. If you work for a small business or if you're a solopreneur, having some people to talk about ideas and best practices and to have a focus and accountability around sales is so important. It's so easy to get caught up in the busy work that we don't do what we need to do to drive the sales in our business. So I have started a weekly call where people can get together and share ideas around sales and then make a commitment to the group of what they're gonna accomplish for the next week. It's just like if you work for a big company, your sales manager would have a weekly sales call. This is your sales call. Go to mysalescall.com to find out more and sign up today.
1: Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs,
0: solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Well, hello, and welcome back to, or gosh, if it's your first time, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to our our virtual cool kids table. I started this podcast over five years ago with the intent of being able to expose myself and all of you who listen to really cool entrepreneurs who are doing interesting things because I know one thing is true in all economies, and that is success leaves clues. And anytime we get the chance to hear from people who are having success, trying new things, venturing out on their own, we're going to pick up an idea, a theory, a nugget, some sort of inspiration. And that's what this show is all about. So today's guest is Austin Sams, and he is someone who I met at the New Media Summit in San Diego all the way back in September of uh, 2019, and he was just one of these people who was really cool. He was a young guy. He's got a couple of little kids, but he's trying to carve his own path in the world. Uh, he actually, after college, he worked in an accounting firm for 11 months and said, I just can't do that anymore and got out and went down his own path. And that's what we like here on this show is people who you know discover that mm, my ladder is against the wrong wall. I had better move my ladder. Now, most of us wait a lot longer than 11 months. I waited 25 years, Whatever. Uh, But that's what we're going to do today is we're going to talk a little bit about his journey, his advice, and uh, what he has to offer the world. Hey, Austin, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thanks for having me, Tom. So I don't read bios of people because that's like PR people speak. So why don't you tell everybody who is Austin Sams and, and what do you do?
1: Yeah, well, I am a family entrepreneur that is a lifestyle entrepreneur who values time with their family over just making money or building a company. It's not the anti-startup, but it's very much you're not trying to build a big company. You're trying to optimize your life for you know, spending time with your kids and your spouse and, and maybe some travel, but that's not the ultimate goal. Um, it's really time freedom and, and financial freedom. So uh, I do that for myself and then I've started to teach other people that and have gotten overwhelmed with requests and so now I'm, I'm starting a um, blog, podcast, virtual summit to teach other people and bring other experts on and show people who are entrepreneurs how to optimize what's really important to you if time is more important to you than money. So that's, that's what I'm all about. So you told
0: me before we got started that you actually majored in entrepreneurship, but went to work for an accounting firm. So how did that happen? I mean, when you think accounting firm, that's like the antithesis of I majored in entrepreneurship.
1: Yeah, well, most people's first job out of college is not their uh, only job they'll ever have. So the impetus for going to work for that company was I met a girl, now my wife, and I needed to buy an engagement ring and pay for a honeymoon. So I thought you know, I might as well start, start working at this accounting firm. I'd I'd make a good salary right out of college. It it was pitched to me as a real estate, uh, consulting group inside of an accounting company, but this was, uh, in 2007 (laughs) and yeah, exactly. We know what happened 11 months later. Wait, I lived that. I know. Well, actually two months after I started the job, the nature of the job I signed up for completely shifted. Just to give you a small example, we were going to be doing market studies. Um, the classic example I give people is we're gonna be doing market studies of, you know, a national home building company buys land in Las Vegas and they wanna know what price they should sell the home for. And in within two months of starting that job, that situation turned into well, the, the home builder bought the land in Las Vegas and now they're losing millions of dollars and they want to write it off on their taxes. And the real estate consultants as part of this accounting company had to go play bad cop and tell them, you know, you, you really only lost $50 million on that deal and, and you're trying to write off $100 million. You can't do that. And so that's why it only lasted 11 months. <laughs> um, I, would, I would just tell people, try things. You don't know until you uh, try things. I'm glad I tried it. But 11 months in, I was like, this is not for me. And it was, you know, amicable. It was like, you don't want to be here. And I said, yeah, I majored in entrepreneurship marketing. I don't want to learn accounting rules. So, what did you do then? You you jumped ship. What did you do then? So, I had connected with a, an entrepreneur here in Tucson, Arizona, where I live and where I went to college. And I I moved back um, back to where I went to college here, where I live still. And I I ran his business, so he needed a young guy, this is back 2008 now, um, needed a young guy to come in and really optimize all of the digital marketing and operations. And so from the front end sales development to the back end, you know, administrative operations, I digitized his whole business uh, starting back in 2008 before we have a lot of the awesome tools that we have now at our disposals, entrepreneurs. And that business was interesting because it was helping real estate agents with marketing. So I had an interest in real estate back then, and, um, but it would also use my skill set as, as a marketer and it got a lot of exposure in helping people. We ran um, an email list of 80,000 real estate agents where we shared marketing tips and wisdom. We, um, we published a newsletter that they could use to stay in touch with their sphere of influence. Um, I, I'm really into relationship style of marketing. I think that's the best marketing. So it really resonated for me. So ran that for seven years. And, um, what do you want to know next?
0: <laughs> well, so then you started your own thing. So, so tell yeah. me about what you're doing now.
1: Yeah. Um, what's interesting about what I'm doing now is, uh, there was an abrupt end to that relationship, Uh-oh. um, in terms of choosing yourself that, um, I really think is important to share for a lot of years. I, I didn't choose myself cause I didn't believe that I was capable even though I had a lot of skills. And so I finally, it took me seven years, even though I quit the first job in 11 months, it took me seven years before I really chose myself and believed in myself enough to, to make the real jump into entrepreneurship. Even though I was running a company for somebody, it was still somebody else's business. Um, I, I tried to buy that business, didn't work out. It happened to be one month before my first child was born that I decided, told my wife, hey, we're, we're gonna quit this job She decided to quit her job. And
0: there's nothing wives like more when they're about to birth your first child than everybody (laughs) quitting their job.
1: That's right. Well, what's interesting is she's not an entrepreneur. So if you're listening to this and your wife or your husband is not an entrepreneur and you are, those are some fun conversations and hopefully a lot of trust is built up. Hopefully you've executed on some of your ideas and you're not just all talk so, so that your spouse trusts you a little bit. And so my spouse trusted me and. We set off on a journey of living off our savings for 12 months. And, uh, you know, I tried everything, Tom. I, I, uh, I really wanted to give myself exposure to a, a wide range of things that might work. Um, I think that a lot of entrepreneurs um, are very creative people, you know, we're, we're kind of ADD. And so I just went with that for 12 months, but it, it did turn out, you know, after about nine months, my wife said, okay, we need an income, honey. You know, what I mean? <laughs> we need something coming in. And so I got serious about one of the ideas, but um, I, I really started consulting. And I really think that if you're not sure what you want to do, you should you should do consulting and take whatever skills and experience you have, even if it's local, start local and just talk to some business owners or talk to to people in your niche that you might be able to help. Just see what help they need and then see where people who need your help, see what specifically you want to help them. I often tell people just because people need the help or you can help them, it doesn't mean that it's something you should do. And I can share some examples on that, but that's, that's been true where a lot of people have asked me to do things, even coaching, you know, people ask me to do coaching and I'm like, I started to do it and I said, this doesn't feel right. It doesn't value time with my family. I don't want to travel a lot. I've got a very strict set of values and priorities. And if it if it doesn't feel right, um, then don't do it. However, back to my journey, when you're starting, you, you got to do a little bit of everything. You know, that's just the entrepreneurial way. You got to try things and see what works. Mm-hmm.
0: So now that you've been doing this for a few years and you've tried a few things, what do you love about this life of entrepreneurship? What's What's good for you?
1: I love the freedom. I mean, because I have set it up in the way I have, I'm able to see, you know, my kids every day. I don't, I don't have to like rush out of the door. You know, when my, when my kids, my kids are four and two years old, when they ate their first food, my wife just says, she knocks on my office door. Hey honey, you want to see your kid eat food for the first time? You know, you want to see your kid walk? Like that's really awesome. Like you don't get those experiences in life, you know, to do over and to be present every day for my kids and to be available. I mean, we've had some health challenges, you know, with my young kids and just to be able to to take care of them and just to say like, you know, I can do the work later. I don't have to report to a boss. I don't have to ask for time off. That sort of freedom and flexibility is wonderful.
0: So what advice do you have for somebody who's listening and says, yeah, I want to create that? What, what would you tell them to do?
1: Uh, a little bit about what I just said, uh, try things. You, you got to try things. But to tag onto that, really be observant on how people respond and how you respond and ask yourself questions like, are people seeing value from this? And that's defined by they're actually paying for it. You're not just working for free. And then questions to ask yourself revolve around, do I really like this? Because you can be successful, but set up what I would call a prison for yourself where you're working all the time and making money, but it doesn't lead you to the end goal of what you want your life to look like. So, I mean, I, I actually, after the new media summit where we uh, met, I sat down and created a workbook and people are welcome to check that out at familyentrepreneurs.com. But uh, people started asking me, like, how did you set up your life like this? Do you have any advice? Similar question you asked. And I said, well, you got to get really clear on what you want in life. And then you got to try things. But when you try things, keep asking yourself, does this line up with the values and the, the things that I want out of my life?
0: So I want to back up to what you said earlier about, you know, finding that ability to, to choose yourself and, and sort of mm-hmm. getting to that point. So one of the questions I ask people on the show is how important is it, do you think, for an entrepreneur to number one, trust themselves, but number two, to like themselves? And I think that sort of clumps into what you said about choosing yourself.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it. I think it's critical. Uh, I think you, you have to uh, trust yourself. And you have to like yourself. You have to trust your instincts. And I would say if you don't, you need to work on that. And just to be very uh, candid with your audience, I had to work on that through the different therapy and different childhood experiences and even, even a bad working relationship with the guy that I was working with, that there was some stuff that wasn't cool there and some, some ways that I didn't feel very confident and secure and trust myself. Um, I think you also have to trust yourself before you trust yourself. Honestly, you have to get to a place where you just do something, even though you're scared and realize that you're going to be okay and realize that it's not the end of the world if you fail. And I mean, that's the wonderful thing that happened after I quit my job was I gave myself permission to try things and fail because I was in a trust building process after not a good working experience for seven years. And so Yeah, absolutely. Trusting yourself is critical, but you're not always going to feel like you trust yourself, and you need to move forward anyway. And that process will build trust over time because you're actually taking action, and you're not you're not hiding from that fear.
0: So I found in having talked to thousands of entrepreneurs, I mean hundreds on this show, but just everywhere I go, recently I came upon this question. I've added it in here about this. You know, do you trust yourself? do you like yourself? And I found that a lot of entrepreneurs have sort of opened up and shared that, you know, outwardly people think, oh, they've got all the confidence. Oh, they totally like themselves. And yet when they unpack that box, something someone said to them that was uh, undermining months ago, maybe years ago, you know, can eat away with them and they, and they don't trust themselves or worse, they don't like themselves. they 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 might put on a good facade out in the world But deep down, there's, you know, some other people in their lives have had words or actions that have, you know, sort of stuck a knife in them. And uh, I sort of peeled some of that back and, and realized I went through some of that. It was like, wow, this is really important. And it's not a question most people are asking.
1: Yeah, it's interesting to the title of your show. I don't know if you want to go off on this tangent, but one of the coolest things entrepreneurs do is when they actually can be real with themselves. And when they can take off that mask that they show them, the market and the public and really have some self-reflection and then go back out into the market with a, a whole new level of authenticity. And I think in today's world, people are sniffing that out more, especially with social media. But you know, when people record videos, you don't really know the person, but you can kind of tell when they're BSing you and when they don't really own it and they're just reading off a script. And I think that's related to just that work of really processing events that have happened to you, bad experiences, and and really trusting yourself. So one
0: of the things I do is I work with companies and I speak at conferences on the whole concept of this gap that exists for so many people between their potential and their performance. You know, what I've found is potential does not equal results, and we need to uh figure out how do we cross that gap and everybody it's going to be a little bit different there's no magic fairy dust we can sprinkle on a whole team of 12 people to make everybody fly across the gap just magically so why do you think some entrepreneurs can cross that gap and others
1: just fall into the abyss between their potential and and, and yeah, their performance and, and the results and they get yeah the easy answer would be their their strategy was wrong or right if they if they got it. I would say persistence would be one of the biggest reasons. It's multifaceted, right? It's an interesting question because there's no one right way to answer it. Um, I would say persistence, but with the caveat that you have to have the right strategy. So people can be persistent and be pursuing the wrong business model, the wrong market, the wrong offer, and they're just going to get more of the same. So I think that people that preach hustle, that preach just do more, I think they're leading people down a path that may be a, a frustration path. And it doesn't mean you need to be changing your business model and strategy all the time. You need to stick with it long enough to see if it produces results. Um, but you need to go in that loop of, you know, whether it's three months, six months, I'm going to try this. I'm going to commit to it fully. And then I'm going to uh, reassess what, what failed, you know, if, if it failed uh, or if it succeeded, what went right that I could do better. So that sort of loop, I would say, to define my answer better of, you know, being persistent and focused, but then looping back and optimizing, either changing the strategy or making it better. And I've done that a lot in my business. I've gone through different stages along the way where I've just continued to optimize and persist. So it's, it's just a matter of sticking with it and being willing to change those things.
0: Well, I found, because I've been three years of researching this, I call it the paradox of potential, because we get all excited about potential, but- If you're not getting results, it really doesn't matter how much potential you actually had. And you hit it on the head. There's not one reason or one answer. In fact, for, you know, a team with four people on it, you can have 10 or 12 different things holding people back, which means you're going to need 10 or 12 different solutions on how to move each person across the gap at their own pace. So so you sort of hit it on the head when you were like, wow, there's not one answer because there's not.
1: Yeah. But your point's interesting because people need to stay focused. Right. So entrepreneurs, we've got to stay focused and that's hard for us. Oh, yeah. because entrepreneurs a squirrel. Ideas.
0: You know, you want to go yeah, down exactly. the path. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the Next, other thing is, uh, is, you know, my podcast has had a lot of success recently and people are like, oh, you're so lucky. I'm like, yes, five years and 500 episodes. And finally, it started to get noticed. I'm so lucky.
1: Now, did you make a commitment to do a certain number of episodes or to do it for a certain length of time? I, I love it when the
0: interviewee becomes the interviewer. Um that's my favorite thing when I get the, when I get the show taken over. I uh, totally committed to fifty episodes. I came in thinking this was a short- term project. The podcast was gonna last six months, uh, two episodes a week. It was my chance. I was told, look, if you're ever in a rut, go out and interview fifty people who are successful and they can't help it. They have to give you an idea, a nugget, a theory. You're going to start to see patterns. So this was just a personal crusade to get in front of 50 super successful, mainly solopreneurs, people who are growing individual practices, lifestyle businesses, because that's what mine really is. It's just me. And uh, I thought, oh, I'll do this for six months and we'll see what kind of happens. And at the end of six months, I was enjoying it. It was actually having an impact. I was becoming better at what I do. I mean, I, I speak... But part of being a speaker, if you're good, you're interviewing people, you're talking to the audience, whether during your performance or you know while you're outside. And all of a sudden, I started to ask more thoughtful questions. And as a master of ceremonies and a person who facilitates panels, Hosting the podcast was making me better, and so I continued to do it, and then it started bringing me business. People started discovering me as a person to come speak at their sales meeting because someone on their team listened to the show. So then I couldn't stop, and then I just decided, well, we'll see where it goes, and as I got close to 500 episodes, I thought – Maybe I've lived it out. That's mo- very few podcasts ever get of the 700,000 podcasts out there. Somebody said it's like 1% have more than five, you know, 500 episodes. And I thought maybe I just closed down for six months. I thought I closed down an episode 500. And before I got to episode 500, it really started impacting my business huh? in a positive way. And I'm like, well, what kind of idiot would walk away from that? So uh, we're still here.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the last question I'm going to ask you while you're the host, because you took too long. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> my my point in asking you that was, uh, you, you proved the point, by the way. At the same time, you need to try things as an entrepreneur. You need to pick an actual commitment, whether that's a time commitment or another number of episodes, if you're doing a podcast or whatever, you know, a certain number of sales calls even before you say I quit I think a lot of people spin their wheels either in one or two places in research mode and I've been there where they're just thinking about an idea talking to people not doing anything but then once they start they quit too soon and so my my point was whatever you start try things you know being open to new things for a certain time period and that that would be a recipe for success
0: and that's actually there's there's very few examples that are as clear and and concise as the podcast world. They call it pod fade. People get all excited. They buy equipment. They spend a thousand dollars. They get an editor. They do all this stuff. They do all this research. They launch their podcast and then they get busy and they do two. And then like six months later, they do three more of six weeks later, they do a few more and it's sort of an occasional podcast. So it never gains momentum of like people having it as a habit to listen. And around episode seven to 12, it dies. They call it pod fade because it fades away. Right. And uh, then people are like, yeah, I tried a podcast. It didn't get me anything. It's like, yeah, eight episodes over, you know, 19
1: weeks. Shocking that it didn't get you anything so much to write a book called E fade, like entrepreneurial fade, like E myth <laughs> about that idea. Whoever's listening, write write that book. Inspirational nice. stories to, to get us all to commit to things.
0: Nice. E Fade. I like that. I think that'll be my uh my, my I'll make shirts. So there you go. Cool. Hey, I got a couple more questions for you. But first, yeah. I gotta thank the sponsor of this episode. So, this episode, like all of them, is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of starting your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and And guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Austin Sams. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net/slash cool things. Check out the special offer they have for the listeners of this show. So, Austin, I call this show, Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What's the coolest thing you're doing right now?
1: Well, I have an upcoming virtual summit. So I shared a little bit about my background. I've been able to bootstrap my own business, have a lifestyle business that values my family. So I'm creating a virtual summit for family entrepreneurs called the Consistent Income Summit because that's the number one thing that, entrepreneurs, but also family entrepreneurs who have a wife, husband, maybe kids to support, you know, they need a consistent income, um, but they want to work for themselves. And so I'm, I have an upcoming summit where I'm going to have speakers on probably 15 to 20 speakers on topics. And I'm going to take people through a step-by-step process, whether you're at zero or five figures to get to a consistent six figure income and really um, do what I did uh, four years ago for myself. But I want to bring in other experts who have other insights and other skill sets to really round this out. Anything from mindset to strategy to grassroots marketing, um, just, you know, getting things going to how do you get sales initially? And then how do you put systems in place right from the beginning so the income is consistent? So that's it. FamilyEntrepreneurs.com. If, if you go over there, you can check out that, that virtual summit that's coming up. What's the date of the virtual summit? It's in January. So the date is still to be determined. So, uh, but definitely January of this coming year. And um, I I might, if demand is there, I might uh, continue to do the summit as an evergreen event or add new speakers or do it as a series. Hmm, Very nice.
0: So, Adam, uh, see, I did it again. I called when I met him, I kept calling him. have to him, edit that. I kept calling, no, we're leaving it in because I'm going to admit <laughs> that I'm an idiot. Because, uh, you know, I, I am very, very fast to admit my mistakes. When I met him, where do you I, live? Austin. That's oh, okay. one would think I would get your <laughs> name right. So, I kept calling him Adam Sims instead of Austin Sams. So, Austin, I love to ask the people who come on the show who in the world of entrepreneurs they admire. Because the truth is, we could talk about you all day, but. You know, I think us entrepreneurs are observers. So who do you look at and say, wow, she or
1: he, they're doing cool stuff. There's a lot of people. Uh, I know you want one person, so I will give you one of many because there's different aspects that we all appreciate about different people. Um, I would say John Lee Dumas. Uh, I got a chance to get to know him, interview him for my podcast, and what I love about his approach and appreciate about, about him is he's clear about what he wants in his life. Going back to what we said about defining what you want in your life. Now he doesn't have kids at this point. Maybe he will, but like him and his partner have made a decision to have a lifestyle business. And they are like committed to that, even though they're super successful, they could make more money. They they have the capability, they have the audience, but he chooses not to, go 100% for the money and to value his lifestyle. And I just think at the end of the day, whether you have kids, whether you have a spouse or not, you're never going to get the time back. And I would rather value your life now, as long as you're making a, enough income for the lifestyle you want, but you don't need a million dollar lifestyle to have the freedom that you want to go places to just hang out, You know, to spend time with friends and family. So I, I really appreciate that, that he knows that and does that in a really tangible way. I mean this year he spent 90 days away from from his home office and just batched all of his work and so I'm all about those sort of systems and strategies to batch your work to optimize your life. you know I right now I only work two hours a day, but I didn't start there, and some days I might batch it depending on the week. you know I might work five hours one day and then take two days off so I, I just love that freedom and he's a good example of of how to do that Awesome. Last question I love to ask is, what do you do to give back to the
0: greater good? Because I think it is about more than making money. And I mean, you just said that right there. So what do you do to serve others?
1: Definitely. So I have this expression called living the great life. And that is a way to encapsulate what I think we all want as entrepreneurs. And it's how to net more money, gain more free time. And then the third part of it is giving forward how do i give forward it's not about giving back because you didn't take anything as an entrepreneur you're adding value to the marketplace so you don't need to give anything back like you stole it you need to give forward and the give forward i think that you know if you've been successful help other people you know that have been where you're at and so what i'm doing with family entrepreneurs you know my my brand with that my podcast blog and virtual summit coming up is is really giving forward I don't have a a huge monetization strategy for that right now. I just am lucky enough to work two hours a day to hang out with my family. And I said, I I need to help other people. People started asking me what I'm doing and I'm, I don't want to be a coach, but I'm like, I still need to publish this. I need to get this out because I want them to be around their family. I want them to have the freedom and flexibility, whatever that means to them. It might mean more money than I have. It might be, you know, working less or more than I, than I do, but uh, really, this initiative of family entrepreneurs is, is what I'm doing to give back to the entrepreneurial ecosystem. But the goal there is multifaceted. If they are in a better place with their family, I think the world is going to be healthier. I think they're going to be less stressed about money. They're going to have the freedom to give back in their own ways. If their business is systemized and they have more free time.
0: Awesome. So Austin, if someone's listening to this and they're like, I got to know more about this guy and what he's doing, how do they find you? Familyentrepreneurs.com. That's easy. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and your advice. Uh, I think it's going to resonate with a lot of people and I say it all the time. Success leaves clues. So thank you for sharing your successes with the audience on cool things entrepreneurs do. Any last words?
1: No, it's, it's been my pleasure. I would just continue to say, choose yourself and observe what you like and don't like about your life and optimize it. You know, there's, there's no right or wrong way to do things in entrepreneurship, no matter what people will tell you or make you feel.
0: Awesome. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say at every show, if it wasn't for the audience, why would we even do this? It is so true that when we get people to come on and share their thoughts, their ideas, their nuggets, their inspiration, success leaves clues. So pick up on some of that success and make it your own. Hey, we're gonna be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Austin Sams. I don't know how we're gonna do that, but we'll figure it out. But in the meantime, go out there, move your ladder to the right wall, get out of your comfort zone, try new things, and while you're at it, have a great day.